Hey there, friends. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're having a good week. I'm having a great weekend. Oh, that sounds kind of funny because Wes just left for the weekend and I'm sitting here all by myself uh, for about, I guess, 48 hours and I am loving it. I just came off a super fun week out in California surrounded and sometimes mauled by grandchildren and it was great but I am okay with having two days to myself right now so I'm good but anyway it is a new month I'm recording this for the start of the month of November and so of course I have a new theme and you might think it would be gratitude because that's usually the theme for November or a lot of a lot of people, and I certainly want to focus on gratitude myself this month and always, but no, that is not where the Lord is leading me. You know what I've been pondering and thinking about last two weeks or so, really, is waiting. I've been thinking about waiting and waiting on the Lord, waiting for God to answer prayers, just waiting. I wonder what your best waiting story is. As you can probably guess, I have a lot of stories about this, as I always do. But I'm trying to think of when I have waited the longest amount of time. The first one that comes to mind is a story I just told while I was out in California about the first time Wes and I went to California and we had to wait six hours, six hours for our rental car. Not only that, it was 106. Yes, California, Northern California had a heat wave. Apparently for several years, they had this heat wave only when we visited, but they had a heat wave and it was 106. There was no air conditioning and we waited for the rental car for six hours. So as you can imagine, that waiting was rather annoying. Another time Wes and I had to wait, I think it was 24 hours or or almost 24 hours for our plane in Athens, Greece um, with our mission team. Um, because our first plane broke (laughs) while we were on it. So that's a story in itself. But anyway, that waiting was not frustrating. Well, I mean, I guess it was frustrating at first, but it turned out to be one of those waiting times that you were like, oh, I can totally see how God used this and this is beautiful. And we just had the opportunity to minister to a lot of people in that waiting. So that was pretty cool. Then I remember another time when I think of waiting, another time comes to mind when I was only about two years old and I was waiting in my crib in the dark um, at my grandparents' cottage. And I can remember, this is so sad, I can remember screaming at the top of my lungs, mommy, daddy. So, you know, I had a lot of compassion for when my children did that because I always thought of that time standing in my crib wailing for my parents. And why? Because I had to go to the bathroom. Maybe I was three because I was definitely potty trained. I didn't have a diaper on. And I mean, I must've been three if I remember this, right? And they never came. They never came. I waited and waited. Somehow I crawled out of the crib and went over to the door and I was pounding on the door, which was locked from the outside. It was cruel and unusual punishment. And eventually I just wet my pants. It was terrible. It was a terrible time of waiting that ended badly. (sighs) But I think what probably first comes to mind is the place that actually has waiting rooms, waiting rooms, doctor's offices. I mean, 
think about all of the time we have all waited in doctor's offices. I seriously could have written a book or earned a master's degree in the amount of time I have waited in doctor's offices. But, you know, sometimes it was fun because like we would play all kinds of games, the kids and I, when we were waiting in doctor's offices. But if you ever noticed, is it just me or does being in a doctor's office make you incredibly tired? Just the the physical being there, nothing happening. You just get so tired. That That's how I am anyway. Well, anyway, I've spent a lot of time waiting in doctor's offices, often with Jess. Poor Jess has been to so many doctor's appointments. And uh, this one time we were waiting for the eye doctor. And I think I've told you this story before, but hopefully it was long ago enough that you don't remember it either. So anyway, we were waiting for the eye doctor and we're waiting and waiting. And Jess says, you know, this eye doctor kind of sounds like Van Diesel. And I was like, no, he doesn't. He does not at all. Because, you know, Van Diesel, the actor, bald guy, big, huge Hulk guy, um, probably in movies that your husband's like. Anyway, so of course I'm like, no, he's not. Because our doctor was like this little short guy. So I wasn't, I wasn't making the correlation. She was like, no, no, he doesn't look like him. He just sounds like him. So she had said this to me and we had to go to the eye doctor quite a few times because Jess had cataracts in both eyes and had to have surgery when she was 15. So, um, you know, it was in this process. So she had said that to me, maybe it was actually on the way home. Anyway, the next time we go back and she's, you know, saying it again, as we're of course waiting, waiting for him to come in. And she's like, he really does sound like Van Diesel. And I'm like, no, I, I don't hear it. I don't think so. And just then the doctor was standing outside the door and he says like, bring those charts over here in this voice. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he really does. And just at the, as I say, he really does. He walks into the room and we both, we were laughing so hard. The it We couldn't stop. And it was like embarrassing. We're laughing right in his face. Of course, I don't think he knew why, but we're still laughing and so hard that we can't explain ourselves. I think I like mumbled out, sorry. And he says, you know, to Jess, young lady, you need to hold still for me to look in your eye. <laughs> it was a very funny moment. And Jessica, like we finally composed ourselves and, and of course did not tell him that we thought he sounded like Van Diesel, but did not look anything like Van Diesel. Anyway, sometimes you can have fun when you're waiting. And there are so many kinds of waiting. Maybe I've made you think of a few of them. And waiting, as, as funny as that story was, waiting can make your heart ache. It can make you anxious or just bored or even depressed. And sometimes we wait so long, we just give up, like when I peed on the floor. So why do I want to ponder waiting? Well, all of this waiting life, and more specifically, when God has us wait, and what waiting on the Lord really means. And more importantly, how to do it. How to not waste the waiting. That, to me, is worth pondering. This is the Pause and Ponder podcast with me, Susie. Thanks for joining me as we pause and ponder to reflect on the goodness of God together in the waiting and maybe especially because of the waiting. Okay, so waiting on God. 
why this topic? Why now? Well, I guess one thing that um, the Lord used to kind of bring this back to the forefront of my mind was I got an email from an old friend a few weeks ago. Uh, we had run into each other on the road and then, um, you know, she was out walking and then she emailed me. And what she said was it really took me by surprise. Uh, long story short, she had heard, oh no, it wasn't a teaching. It was a book, that book about um, not hurrying through life by uh, John Mark Comer, whatever that book is, the something about the busyness of life. I forget. But anyway, that book and that I guess the book mentioned the verse Isaiah 30, 15. And my friend said that she had always noticed that I signed my emails with that verse. Like, you know how you can add the byline or what? it's not a byline, but whatever, the signature at the bottom of your email. Well, a long, long time ago, I don't even remember how long ago, whenever I got my Gmail account, I think, I had put Isaiah 30, 15 as my part of my signature. So it was always, you know, in every email. Anyway, this friend said, I never understood why you put that verse. I would, it always confused me. Um, but then she'd read this book and I guess it explained it and like now she gets it. <laughs> so I just thought that was so interesting. I was like, oh, I didn't know that verse was confusing to anyone. Um, but I, you know, I didn't offer any explanation, just quoted the verse. So now I'm sure you're like racking your brain. What is that verse? So here it is. Um, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Now, to clarify, the only part I had in my little email thing was the middle. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So that was the part that she was referencing. And just her bringing this back up, because of course, you know, we don't even look at that signature line when we send an email anymore, at least I don't. So her reminding me of this reminded me of why I love that verse. And to me, that verse just sums it all up. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. It's a reminder of what it means to be saved, to come to Christ, that we had to turn away from sin and rest on the work of God. But it's And it's also this reminder of how we should live our life each day, returning to the Lord, turning ourselves back to him, you know, recognizing you are here, God, returning to the Lord each day. I was just reading, where was I? Oh, yeah, in Acts, um, you know, when Saul, uh, Saul's conversion, when he's on the road to Damascus and the light shines in his eyes, yada, yada. And then the guy, Ananias, is told to go help him. And he's like, hold on, Lord, do you, this guy is terrible, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, the part that stuck out to me was that when um, it says that, a vision appeared to Ananias and God said, Ananias, and Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Those are the words that jumped out at me. That's returning to the Lord, right? That when we, you know, we're going through the motions of reading the Bible, praying, whatever, maybe listening to worship music, but our response, the words ready on our lips and in our heart are, here I am, Lord. It was like, this is a way 
I was thinking this the other day. This is a way to live in the presence of God all the time. To remember, I am in the presence of God. To keep on my lips. Here I am, Lord. And to me, that's returning. Returning to the Lord. You know, turning, not being distracted, but returning to him. And then resting, not because we have to do some work to earn his favor, but resting in what he has done. Now, you might be saying, what does this have to do with waiting? But to me, it does, because I think that, well, at least for me, the first thing that comes to mind is the opposite of waiting is trying to fix it myself, right? Waiting on God means I'm not trying to fix it myself. And so what God taught me in this verse so long ago when I put it on my email signature line was return back to me and rest in what I have done for you and how I am working. And then the second part was possibly even more powerful to me. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. I can't tell you how many times I've had to wait for something, wait for an answered prayer, mostly, or just whatever, wait for anything in my life, wait for someone else to change, wait, wait for an opportunity to open up, wait for that heart desire. And in all that waiting, I feel I have felt like I have no voice. Have you ever felt like that? Like I can't speak anything into this situation. I am helpless. I am voiceless. And so I was feeling that way. And I read this verse. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So often, not having a voice, not being able to speak into a situation like when God is telling you just be quiet, it feels like weakness. It feels like I'm I'm useless here. I'm I'm not able to help. I'm not able to do anything. And I just feel weak. And here God is saying, No, no, no. That is strength. That is strength because it you are doing it because you are trusting me to handle it. Not because you're being railroaded by someone, but because you are trusting that God is real and in your life today and going to move in those places where you are waiting. That, to me, is in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And yet it's not easy. It's not easy to be quiet when God says to be quiet, to be quiet and wait. It's not easy to maintain confidence and trust when you don't see anything happening. But I think one of the things that stood out to me in this verse, this one little verse, Isaiah 30, 15, is the last part that I actually didn't include in the signature line because it's like not as, you know, nice sounding, but man, it's an important warning. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. And the last part says, but you would not. But you would not. How sad. How tragic. This is what I have to offer you, but you wouldn't do it. And to me, when I have needed to wait, to wait on God, those words have stood out to me that I have a choice. I can return to the Lord and rest on what he is doing and wait. I can trust, have confidence, and have a faith that will be a strength to me through that waiting. 
I can be quiet in the waiting and that can be a strength because I'm I'm trusting in what God will do or I cannot like the Israelites did. That's who this was too. The Israelites who would not trust in the Lord and so they suffer. And that's the sobering choice. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. So it's very clear these are God's words. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. This is the way, people. This is the way to get through your trials, to get through what you are waiting to have happen. Return to the Lord. Rest in Him. Rest in in the work that He has done, not in the work that we have done. And in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. It reminds me of Psalm 27 that says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Of course, then the next part, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Wait because you believe you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That is quietness and confidence. That is strength. That is rest in the work the Lord is doing. But they would not. The Israelites didn't trust in the Lord. They trusted in, the next part says, but you would not. You said, no, we will flee upon horses. They were trying all the different methods to get away from their enemies, to solve their problems. How easy it is to not wait, but to try to, you know, I, I call it pulling a Sarah, you know, Sarah and Abraham. Sarah was like, I'll fix this. Sleep with my mistress. No, don't try to fix your own problems. Wait on the Lord. But anyway, in this Isaiah 30, they didn't wait on the Lord. And here's the real thing, that when we follow God's plan, in returning and rest, you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Then... If we do, if we follow that plan, then God is waiting to bless us. If we wait, we get what he's waiting to do. So verse, uh, let's see, 16 and 17 describe how, you know, they're not doing this. They're not waiting on the Lord. And then it says in verse 18, Isaiah 30, 18, therefore the Lord waits. God is waiting to do something for you. Did you know that? Just ponder that for a second. What is God waiting to do in your life and for you? Here, for the Israelites, therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. So when we wait on the Lord in the ways He has shown us, he he clearly tells us, this is what I need you to do. This is is the path to what I'm waiting to give you. Then he is going to bless us. And he does. He shows us grace and mercy through the cross, through Jesus. So isn't that encouraging? That if we wait on the Lord the way he tells us to, he is waiting to be gracious and merciful to us. I like that. I like that. What a great reminder. And sometimes I think in our waiting, we're waiting in a situation where what we really do need is grace and mercy. But you might be thinking, and I have definitely thought, 
well, I'm waiting for an answer. I need to know what to do. Lord, what do I do here? What do I say? What do I do? And that's the cool thing is that this chapter, chapter 30, includes that too. So this chapter where God tells his people, wait on me, trust me, be quiet and wait on me. The answer he gives them for, like, if you wait on me, then I will give you grace and mercy. He also will give guidance. I love it that a verse that is sort of familiar, at least it's familiar to me, I hadn't even remembered that it was in this chapter. So let me just back up a little bit. Here's the context of the whole chapter. Isaiah 30, verse 1. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So he's addressing the the children of God, the Israelites, who are being rebellious because they are seeking help apart from God. They're seeking to fix their own problems, right? And um, a lot of versions don't say stubborn children. They say rebellious children. So this is rebellion. Starts off with addressing the problem of, hey, you, trying to fix your own problem over there. Then we get to the verse I focused on, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. Here's the way, guys. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Stop trying to fix it. Trust me. But you would not. You flee to your horses. They were trusting in their own plans. Sounds to me like they were either trying to escape or trying to fight. You know, like we say today, it's fight or flight. Well, that's what they were doing. And we're not supposed to do either. We're supposed to trust. So we start off with, hey, you rebellious people, why are you trying to fix your own problem? Verse 15, remember, you need to trust me. Stop, wait, trust me. Then verse 18, I'm waiting to be gracious and merciful to you, if you'll just trust me. And then the last one that I just wanted to mention was 21. God continues to say, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. So here's my point. God promises that if we wait on him and stop trying to manage everything ourselves or Google the answer or whatever it is, but literally wait on him in quietness and confidence, he will pour out mercy and grace in our lives. And he will guide us. He will tell you if you wait on him, he will make clear which way to go, even if you should go left or right, if you should send that email or not send that email, if you should talk to that person about the problem or not talk to that person about the problem, if you should say yes to a project, a commitment or not, he will guide us. And that is the hope and the confidence that we have in waiting on him. Isn't that a great reminder? Seeing those things through this whole chapter and with the crux of it coming in verse 15. And I have a lot of other thoughts about waiting on the Lord. Like, what does it mean? How do we do it? More than more than just this one verse. Um, and other thoughts that I'm going to save for next time as we keep pondering what it means to wait on the Lord. So I don't know what 
you're waiting for in your life right now, whether it's something that makes your heart ache, or it's just annoying, or it's boring, or you're learning through it, whatever it might be. I pray that this verse will be an encouragement to you today in that waiting. In returning and rest, you shall be saved, and quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Let that be said of each of us today as we wait. Thanks for joining me, and I pray that you will remember the promise that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Take courage in that and wait on the Lord in whatever he has you waiting for today. Till next time.